What you do, speak so loudly, it don't matter what you say. Do not fall victim to the disease. We're too good. We're not practicing to beat somebody. We're practicing to beat everybody. I can't lose. Still walks using your goal. Hey, let's go. And there it is, all eyes today on Grapevine, Texas, where the College Football Selection Committee has met. It has done its work. And tonight, we will hear for the first time the college football playoff rankings this season. We will find out together tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Happy to have you with us for College Football Live. Joey Galloway is here with Rod Gilmore. Heather Dinich is in Grapevine, Texas, waiting to hear like the rest of us I'm Wendy Nix, and what a season it has been so far. And let's not forget that tonight will be a referendum of sorts in Ohio at 8-0, Cincinnati attempting to become the first team from outside of Power 5 Conference to crash the playoff party. They are ranked number two in the AP poll, and the Bearcats, of course, can claim a statement win over Notre Dame. Heather, listen, a lot of factors in play. We've got seven new committee members. We also know, again, since he has beaten Notre Dame, there are some questions, though, about the rest of their schedule. Have they done enough to land themselves in the top four when we hear the initial rankings tonight? Wendy, I think they have. My gut says that the Bearcats make history tonight. My best guess is that three or four spot. But as you mentioned, in addition to the win at Notre Dame, Cincinnati had to overcome, if they do, their strength of schedule, which is 100th in the country right now. And when you look at those back-to-back -back road wins that they earned at Tulane, at Navy, those two teams are a combined 3-13 and 13 right now. So, those are the kinds of discussions that the committee member had, and, and I think that they passed the test, but I don't think they're as high as number two. Rod, listen, therein lies the rub, right? They've taken care of the things they can control, their schedule in some ways out of their control. What do you think happens when we see the initial plan tonight? Wendy, Cincinnati should be in the top four tonight when – the rankings are revealed. There, there's no question in my mind about that. I don't know if the committee will do that, but they should be in the top four. This is a generational type of team, and we're talking about a team that is more than just an NFL quarterback in Desmond Ritter. This is an elite defense. It's a team that has NFL draft picks all over that defense, and they've taken care of business. It's not easy to go to Notre Dame and win, but they did that. So I think they've done all the stuff they need to do right now. And the question is, will they get the benefit of the doubt that other teams get? And they should be the first group of five to make an appearance in the top four in the initial ranking. I think the only question would be, and, and when you think about their schedule, and Heather, you mentioned it, the last two teams they played, Navy being one of those teams, uh, would you say three and 13, they haven't looked great in those two games. And that was the first question mark that I had about this football team all season long you know to begin the year we all thought if they go on the road and beat indiana go on the road and beat you know notre dame then they're automatically going to be in this discussion so they are in the discussion but if you're trying to poke a hole and you're trying to think about well what would make them fall maybe right outside of the top four even down to number four is the fact that they haven't looked real good the past two weeks even though they won the football game 
Yeah, and that's the question. We'll talk about the eye test. You'll hear a lot tonight about style points. That's all part of the vernacular as the committee makes its choices. Now, there's also a little matter of Michigan and Michigan State. And I said this last week, you really couldn't draw it up any better. When these two teams met last weekend, they were both undefeated. Anything could happen, and it did. But a loss by Jim Harbaugh's squad has certainly opened the door for Sparty to make some noise. Rod, was Michigan State's win over Michigan enough to move Michigan State into that top four? You know, Wendy, this is pretty cool. I mean, our first two teams we're talking about, we're talking about new blood. I mean, we don't normally talk about Cincinnati and Michigan State, you know, in the top four. And, and has Michigan State done enough? Yeah, I think so. I mean, right now you're looking at a team that is undefeated, best record in the Big Ten. It had a monumental, fantastic game against Michigan. They have the leading rusher in college football in Kenneth Walker III, and they've got a top 10 win. So at this point in time, in my view, they are the best team in the Big Ten, and with that top 10 win, they should be in the top four. Joey, uh, I, I feel pretty strongly about that one. <laughs> um, I don't have an argument against it. And so this would probably be, uh, for me, I've been doing this a few years doing the ranking shows. This would probably be, for me, one of those weeks where I go in, and this is very rare, that you could take two through six and mix up those teams, and I wouldn't have an argument uh, for or against the way you rank a team. Michigan State, very impressive in their win against Michigan, uh, won that game uh, in a way that I didn't think they could. I did not think that Peyton Thorne could come to this game and not have a good game, and they still find a way to win. And you'd have to assume, Rod, if you throw them in your top four, which I'm not quite ready to make that leap, you would have to then say that you believe that this Michigan State team could beat a Cincinnati or an Alabama or an Ohio State or an Oklahoma uh, on a neutral site. And I don't know that I believe that just yet. You both make very fair points, but I, I will add this to the conversation. If you take away that Michigan win, Michigan State has not defeated anyone above 500. Now, you can poke holes in just about everybody's resume, but that's something that the selection committee will consider. And, Rod, to your point, is it a top 10 win? Let's see where Michigan falls in the selection committee's top 25 tonight. And let's see where Notre Dame is. Who has the better win in the eyes of the selection committee? All of those things will matter. Well, again, Spartans 8-0 Heather, first I would simply add that five of those eight wins have been by more than 17 points. Fair enough. Rod, I like it. Get in there and make your case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I have them at number no, just, three you know, in mind, and a lot it, of it has to do with how they look. All right, guys, listen, let's keep rolling through these. Here, This is the fun part, right, because there's so many questions. There's also a lot of people asking, and in certain parts of the country, asking uh, a lot more often than in others about how the selection committee will view Oregon when tonight's rankings are released. To what extent will the Ducks' head-to-head -head victory offset the style points that the Buckeyes have earned since then? And listen, there, there have been a lot of style points. This Ohio State team playing entirely differently than, than they did at the start of the season. Oregon goes on the road. They win without Kayvon Thibodeau, Heather. Uh, but listen, does, does it matter? Has Ohio State done enough to offset that since that week two loss? 
Well, it looked like they did until they played Penn State and needed four field goals and a defensive touchdown to beat the Nittany Lions when they were matched up against competition that was more like themselves. Yes, they won the game, but the selection committee considers things like the fact that Joe Moorhead was not in the game um, for, st for the Stanford loss. And they consider things like Kayvon Thibodeau and that targeting call that had him out for the next game. I believe it was against Cal. So when you factor in the injuries and Joe Moorhead and all of those um, intangibles, right? The selection committee, that could, that head-to-head -head could outweigh that bad loss to Stanford. Joey, who should be ranked higher here? Once again, I'm in a position where I could go either way. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, but this is interesting, though. Uh, I don't remember a time coming into the very first rankings that we had so many uh, things going on that could move teams from two to five to six. So if I'm Oregon fan, I would have an absolute argument that they should be above Ohio State. And if I'm an Ohio State fan, I would say look at the games after we lost to Oregon, look at the way Oregon has looked, you know, including the loss of Stanford and, and in other games. But if I'm you know, thinking about Oregon, at least they're starting to look better. They, they did. They had a few games there where Anthony Brown didn't look good. They, they just didn't look like a playoff team. But in their last win, they actually looked pretty better. And they got a, a chance to make another statement against Washington this week. Joey, this shouldn't even be a debate. You know, the, the Pac-12 should be mad as hell if Oregon winds up behind Ohio State. There is no objective way to look at this and to have Ohio State ahead of Oregon. Same record, Oregon goes to Columbus and beats them without their best player. And now you go forward, the only game they lost, and I covered the game between Oregon and Stanford, they didn't have Joe Moorhead, and it really left their offense out of sync. They didn't have C.J. Verdell most of the game. He got hurt and lost for the, the rest of the year. And Thibodeau was knocked out of the game with a targeting call in the fourth quarter. Yet here they are with the same record as Ohio State. Now, Maybe there's a privilege that gets associated with Ohio State or so, but when you have objectively the same record and you can't erase the fact that Oregon went there and beat them, there's no reasonable way to put Ohio State over Oregon. We in every year will have situations where a team loses to a team uh, early in the season, and we do this all the time, and we have to look at what the team looks like since then because eventually you have to play the rest of your season. And so you can say, hey, they didn't have C.J. Braille. Well, they're not going to have him for the rest of the season. So that, that's not something that you can, like, he's not coming back. And so, and I've said this before, there is mm -hmm. so much season left for these football teams that it really doesn't matter what happens tonight for any team outside of Cincinnati because everyone else has games left, whereas Ohio State will still have to go through Michigan, Michigan State, and the Big Ten championship game. So if they run the table, get those ranked wins, we won't be having this conversation of what happened in week two against Oregon. It'll take care of itself. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that point because it's an excellent one because Ohio State has a lot of chances down the stretch. We have seen the committee honor the head-to-head -head early and then what happens late in the season negates it. So to me, if Oregon is ranked ahead of Ohio State, that does two things. One, it legitimizes the Pac-12's playoff hopes. And two, it also opens the door for the possibility that Ohio State and Oregon can finish in the top four. 
It's so interesting, guys, because, look, you know, you're right. There's football still to be played, and a lot of these can change. But, Rod, what it does do is give us a little bit of insight as to how the committee is thinking, especially with seven new members. I just think it's important that we recognize that, you know, the Pac-12 has felt slighted for a long, long time. And if Oregon is below Ohio State, it's going to reinforce the notion that the committee does not respect the conference and doesn't treat them with the proper respect in a situation where objectively they should be hired. That's the risk, and that's the message that's going to go across to the West Coast. Rod, the Pac-12 hasn't been slighted. It hasn't had a great team. It has not had a national championship contender. <laughs> Utah had its chance on Friday night, man. It lost True. it. Well, we have to point out, too, that Rod Elmore is our True. resident West Coast analyst, too. So represent, Rod. We respect you. you got to pound that drum while you can. Uh, listen, we'll see. we got a few hours, and then we'll gotta know again it. at 7 o'clock Eastern tonight. Well, that's right. We will see uh, the initial rankings. We'll take a look at the All-State playoff predictor to see what it might look like tonight. Georgia, a clear favorite. We're not going to argue about that. They'll hold the top spot. Cincy in the top group of five team at 57%, which is fourth highest overall. And then Alabama, the only one-loss team in the top four at 68%. We're going to talk some more football when we come back. Florida 4-4 four and four this season. Are things getting murky for Dan Mullen in Gainesville? We'll talk about that. Little issue of recruiting keeps coming up. And Joe Montana joins the show. He'll talk about his fighting Irish and even give us who he thinks will be in the top four tonight. Before he won four Super Bowls with the San Francisco 49ers, Joe Montana won a national championship at Notre Dame and cemented his legacy as one of the Irish all-time greats. Before he was Joe Cool, before he was the comeback kid, Montana was grinding away in South Bend, planting the seeds of what was to come. Joining us this afternoon on behalf of Guinness is Notre Dame legend Joe Montana. And Joe, I have to ask you this before we get started. Does it seem like yesterday or has it been a minute? Because time flies. <laughs> well, you know what? I, it does seem like yesterday, and time does fly. Um, there was, it was a lot of fun. It was one of those places that I dreamt of going as a kid. So when I, when I got there, I, was, I won't lie, I was absolutely overwhelmed. Um, the size of the football team that I came into was just mind-boggling when you look at uh, the first pick of the Seattle Seahawks, Mike Fanning, and the first pick of the Rams. I mean, we that was one of the biggest football teams I've ever been associated with. What do you think of Notre Dame this season, Joe? Well, I, I think it's a typical season for them. Um, you know, they're off to a pretty good start. You know, they they lose to one of the top teams in the country, and, you know, you, there's no fault to that, but... Uh, those are the type of games that I think you have to win um, if you're going to continue to stay in the top and you want to get into that top quartile or top four teams, I say, to get into the playoffs or whatever it is now these days. But those are the, those are the things that you got to find a way to win. When you watch college football on any given weekend, is there a quarterback that stands out to you, one that you really like to watch? Well, the sad thing about everything is Alabama reminds me of the USC of old, right? They're putting out quarterbacks like crazy, and, and the kid that's there right now I, I, I think is fun to watch. And, um, you know, you 
question back and forth. Um, is he the guy that can he can he make it into the NFL? You just don't know because usually Alabama has such great teams and they're so far above other teams that their talent level usually carries them. If I was the 49ers, I would have taken the kid from Alabama <laughs> uh, <laughs> last year. Um, you know, nothing against the guy that they took. It's just that more pro-style offense, more um, used to being in pressure situations than, than that. And uh, I don't know, we'll see what happens in San Francisco, but um, nothing against, you know, um, Trey, but it's it's one of those things that here's a guy that's got a great team behind him, and they're always fun to watch. They, they often seem like men among boys, no question. Listen, it's a big day in college football, and that is because for the first time this season, we will see the CFP rankings. Do you have a top four? Well, I think the, the ones that I saw on the AP poll probably don't change unless – you know, I haven't seen their schedules. Let me g give you that. But um, what's left on their schedules, I don't – unless there's a major upset, I don't see that changing. I think the only team that might sneak in there could be Michigan State. Um, you know, they're sneaking up on people and, you know, slowly working their way up the ladder. And if, if there's a little hiccup in one of those top four teams, I, I think you see Michigan State sneaking in there. Joe, thank you. We appreciate you being there with us this afternoon. Is there another team in Michigan? I don't. I didn't know that. <laughs> After losing back-to-back -back games to unranked LSU and number one Georgia, Florida coach Dan Mullen said he's not focused on recruiting, not right now anyway, and he doesn't want to talk about it. In June, Florida signed Mullen to a three-year extension as the Gators came into the season ranked number 13. They are now four and four and not ranked. And, Joey, I don't want to make too much about this because I think his point was I want to focus on the here and now and not the recruiting, but that does keep popping up. Uh, do you think Dan Mullen understands fully what it means to be successful at Florida? Because really, if you're going to coach there, it's to win a national championship. Yeah, and I don't think that Dan Mullen is not recruiting. Uh, I think Dan Mullen doesn't want to talk about recruiting right. in the middle of a season. And so I am quite sure that he is doing everything he possibly can, the same thing as Georgia and Alabama and everybody else, uh, to, to recruit as well as he can. Uh, he's had some success at Florida. Unfortunately, he is in a conference where, uh, you know, produced an LSU team two years ago that was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, then last year, an Alabama team is absolutely ridiculous. And then this year, the Georgia defense looks absolutely ridiculous. So it's a tough conference to win in, but I do think he understands that. Joey, you're, you're absolutely right. He understands the recruiting issue, and he knows that there is a talent gap between Florida and Georgia, and that gap has gotten a little greater lately, and a gap with Alabama. He understands that, and I'm sure that he is working on it every single day. It's been a tough season. They've had an average season, and I think the whole quarterback controversy uh, didn't help him at all this year because he's a quarterback guru, but he had the whole issue as to whether he was going to have, you know, um, uh, what quarterback he would play. That's an issue for him. So I think these things are kind of building up. And then once he gets settled and wins some games and gets into next season, he'll be right back at it. Yeah, I think the fact that it's Florida and it's the SEC, a testament to the fact that we're talking about this at all because he has had some success. But those four SEC losses this year, the most since 2017 when they lost five, and that will get people talking. But winning cures a lot of things, fellas, but you know that better than me. Uh, it also means you may land here. We're going to talk about our top four as we await the results of the college football playoff selection committee. The, the envelope is in, as they say. We'll look at that next.
How do you see this playing out? Georgia's in. I don't think anybody's coming out of the Big Ten undefeated. How much help does Cincinnati, Ohio State, Alabama need? It is not going to be easy. Well, let the debate begin. The show tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern. Joey Galloway, by the way, pulling double duty. He'll be there. How about a Capital One fan vote? Which of these unbeaten teams would have the best chance to win a game should they make the playoff? The choices, Cincinnati, Michigan State, Oklahoma, and Wake Forest. Go to Twitter.com to check out the Capital One fan vote. All right. Uh, listen, we get a vote. We're going to give ourselves one anyway. Rod, give me your top four. This is a snapshot in time, and I'm embracing new blood and changes. So I've got, I've got Georgia at number one, Michigan State at number two, Oklahoma with Caleb Williams, the quarterback, at number three, and the generational team in Cincinnati that deserves to be in the top four. Jerry, that's my fourth team. Hey, Rod, that's interesting because uh, as the Pac-12 was getting slighted, I thought for sure Oregon was going to be inside <laughs> of your top four. So now the Pac-12 is feeling like you're slighting them, Rod. It's, it's, your, it's your fault. You were carrying a banner for the Pac-12. You let them down. He, okay. he did I, have a lot to say about that, Rod. I, I, I don't know what happened there. I, but, hey, look, uh, I get it. No, I only want Oregon ahead of Ohio State. Hey, so I'm going. Right, uh, jo- Rod, Joey, what do Rod, you have? Rod, I'll be honest, Rod. You let me down jo- for the Joey, first what time do you in got? I'm going, I'm going Georgia, of course. <laughs> Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. I don't know what that is on the screen. That is wrong. But I'm going Ohio. I'm going to Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma. Rod, what do you got? So, so Joey, you're you're, uh, that, you're that tells me in that the, you the just Oregon, believe Ohio in just State the. Uh... Th- that says that I believe that if all these teams were to line up and play, that's who I think wins on neutral sites. I, you almost you had me talked in Oregon, Rod, but then you let me down. Joey's so just out. hanging old school. Joey's going with the blue bloods. Joey's just hanging blue bloods. That's that's what that is. No change for Joey. <laughs> well, listen. The good news, fellas, it's just the first one. There as long as Oregon is ahead of Ohio State, we're good. We'll see you tonight at seven o'clock Eastern for the results. Have a great night.